Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining in today for the Focus on Forgiveness Virtual Summit on Forgiveness. And my name is Tracy Brown. I'm the founder of ReclaimJoy.com, and it is so exciting and so fulfilling both to host this series. As some of you already know, the whole idea of spending a few weeks focusing on forgiveness came as a result of the fact that during the last quarter of 2014, so many of my coaching clients were dealing with forgiveness, and uh, it was coming up in classes and in conversations so often that I made the decision that during the first quarter of 2015, that would be one of the four areas we would focus on in some of the work done and offered by ReclaimJoy.com. So if you haven't heard already, the first quarter is focusing on forgiveness. The second quarter will be focusing on something fun and exciting like confidence, building confidence and, and living from a confident place of knowing your best and highest good. In the third quarter, the focus will be on freedom, which has been coming up a lot of what does freedom really mean and spiritual freedom especially, how do we live in a way that um, demonstrates that. And in the fourth quarter, the focus will be self-care. During that season when we are often focused on other people and giving them gifts and bringing them joy, we'll be spending some of our time focusing on self-care. And for information about that throughout the year, you can get the latest by visiting focus2015.info, focus2015.info. All the webinars, all the classes, all the virtual summits, and the lab intensives will be listed there along with uh, inspiring information throughout the year to help you keep your focus on whatever you are uh, setting as a priority in your life. And if you forget Focus 2015, because I know some of you have been around the last few years following me on ReclaimJoy.com, there are also links at ReclaimJoy.com where we believe that no matter what situation you find yourself in, you can always connect with joy from within. So that's all the little promo stuff. I have to get that out of the way so I can get to the juicy stuff of spending a few minutes with Dr. Harry Morgan Moses. And um, I'm going to ask Dr. Harry to tell you a little bit more about his background, but what I want to share with you is that this is a man, a spiritual leader, and an all-around fun guy <laughs> who has – so much impact when he walks in the room, he brings a light with him. 
And when he found out that we were focusing on forgiveness, he said, Tracy, do you know I have this tool that I've been using for like ever, and it really, really works, and lots of people have have used it successfully. And I immediately was excited to be able to learn about the tool in the process and also to spend just a few minutes with Dr. Harry. So welcome, Harry Morgan Moses. Well, thank you, sweetheart. It's good to be with you. I'm, I'm <laughs> and, glad you know, that we were together gonna... in Las Vegas. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I was going to... I was we've gonna... been together in Texas, and we've been together in Canada, and we just travel all over the world and hang out, don't we? Yes, we do, and I love it. I, I feel lucky every time and blessed every time that we are in each other's presence. So let me, uh, let me answer a little bit of your question um, about how uh, this uh, forgiveness thing got into my world. So thank you for the nice things you said about me, and I think that the, uh, for those who don't know about me, uh, my story is a long one, and it started when I was 20 and faced with a uh, life-threatening disease. And that's how I learned about New Thought Principles and how the doctor said I would never be able to walk further than to the bathroom and back again. And this was, again, when I was 20 years old, and I'm a little older than that now. And, uh, and I've been a skier and continue to be a skier uh, since before that incident and after. Uh, we just didn't buy their prognosis. So, so that's, that's how I got here. Right. Um, and then, uh, curiously enough, this particular, uh, I think each of us are, are guided in by this inner presence, whatever you want to call it, spirit or intuition, whatever that inner presence is. It's working all the time to guide us into our authentic selves and into uh, our authentic love and into our authentic life, the one that we really want to live. And when we don't listen to that voice of intuition, uh, and when we work against the natural principles that are within us, they back up. And when they back up, it usually ends up in some kind of disease or disaster. And uh, so when that happens, we, we start to look and go, well, how do I free myself from either this continuing pattern or this circumstance that I have somehow uh, co-created into my life? And uh, for me... That original disease was something called iliothrombophlebitis, and I had uh, multiple blood clots uh, running up my left leg uh, from my ankle all the way up to my hip. And, of course, that's very life-threatening because if the clot should move, it, it creates either a pulmonary embolism or a stroke or a cardiac arrest. Or So there, this is not a, a good, healthy thing to have happening in one's body. Right. So uh, it so happened that I learned the principles in New Thought. I became a science of mind practitioner, and uh, from that point of being told I would never be able to walk, uh, rebuilt my career, uh, built, uh, bought a home, got married, had children, uh, raised children, did all of that. And uh, several years later, almost a decade later, the disease struck again, and this time on the other side. And... Uh, I was really uh, shocked uh, by the reoccurrence and uh, stunned at that point in my life, having made so much uh, progress in the 10 years. I did not uh, certainly expect anything like that to be happening again. And when it did, it caused me to look deeper into the principle. Something 
within me continued to want to get blocked uh, in a severe way, uh, blocked so badly that it would almost take me, uh, in fact, did almost take me uh, more than once or twice out of this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what so happened is when we had been, my wife and I, really interesting story, my wife and I had met a a, a young man who happened to have been a uh, Episcopal minister who was doing massage. And I thought, well, I would certainly like to be massaged by somebody who is that dedicated. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if he's any good at massage. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, Father John Alexis uh, Virick was his name, uh, began to come over periodically to our house to do massage. And one day he was talking with my wife about this wonderful teacher that he had met who had taught him about forgiveness and had changed his life. Well, she had this conversation while on the massage table with him, and she brought it up with me later, and uh, and this was before the disease had struck again. And I said, oh, well, that that sounds interesting. I, I'd be interested to know what that teacher is about and, and what that forgiveness is about. And so we signed up or uh, let me rephrase that, my wife signed us up for this seminar. (laughs) And uh, then the the disease struck. I was hospitalized for a couple of weeks. Lots of trauma, lots of stuff happened, and we got released from the hospital. And the seminar was the next day. And uh, my wife called the teacher up. Her name was Dr. Edith Stauffer. Uh, she called her up and, and said, uh, my husband's just out of the hospital. He can't hardly move but a few feet, and I, I think we'll have to cancel from the seminar. And she said, well, you know, the seminar's being held in a, in a private home. Uh, they have a couch there. Could he, could he manage three steps up the front step, and we can get him on the couch, and then he can participate in the seminar, and, and he can just lay there. And so my wife asked me about that, and I said, well, yeah, I I could do that. So long story short, my leg was swollen. If I put it down for uh, even 20 or 30 seconds, the pain was enormous. Uh, The the healing, uh, the prognosis from the medical doctors would would be if I had the same kind of recovery that I'd had 10 years earlier, it was going to take a year or two to get to that level. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was where I was the day that I went into that seminar. Mm. I went in on crutches, uh, up those stairs, and onto the couch. Could hardly catch my breath. We went back that Friday and back to Saturday. The end of the Saturday session, having been involved in some of this forgiveness practice, the swelling in my leg dropped almost 75%, and I walked out of the seminar without crutches, and never needed them again after. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. So the change for me was really two things. Her work, obviously I'm a New Thought metaphysician, and for those, I guess everybody with you is probably a New Thought metaphysician or is at least on their way to understanding what it is to be a New Thought metaphysician. So so I I had already at that point through understanding and belief systems and faith, had done a lot of self-healing and had already been a practitioner and been involved in healing uh, in healings that helped other people and so on and so forth. Um, so I needed to find 
if I was going to do something in forgiveness, it needed to be something that that my belief system would would align with. Yes. And uh, so it so happened that she had done a lot of research about the Essenes. Essenes is a civilization that lived a thousand years before Jesus and about a thousand years after. That was really based in uh, pretty much the direct teachings of Jesus. In fact, we're not sure whether Jesus got his teachings from the Essenes and brought them forward or other way around. We don't really know. History doesn't really know or even agree on it. But the fact is, obviously, this culture uh, had ideas believing in what we would call the high self or the soul nature of yourself or your authentic self. Uh, they had a, a, a belief system that we jam up the authentic self by our thoughts and attitudes. So you can see right away this ancient culture and new thought have a lot in common. Mm -hmm. She was also a, a student of a guy named Roberto Asagioli. And Roberto Sozioli was a psychologist uh, out of Italy who was actually born around the same time that Ernest Holmes was born, the great philosopher from, mm. the, late, from the early 1900s. Um, and it so happens, as, as we know, as we in New Thought have studied this, around about 1875 to around 1927 or 28, before World War II really started to brew, um, there was a tremendous... Uh, consciousness thrust happening all over the world. Uh, 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 Finhorn had started up. Uh, miracles were being revealed there. Uh, in Italy, uh, uh, psychosynthesis, which is this form of psychology, was being birthed through Asagioli, uh, the, the, the transcendentalist, and uh, Dresser, and Holmes, and uh, Goldsmith were, were doing uh, work here in this country. And this this sort of Universal knowledge of spiritual principles, very much like the ancient Essenes had known, was, was somehow being channeled or meditated upon all around the world and being discovered. So this psychology, the spiritual psychology that Roberto Asagioli uh, came up with, also matches almost identically the teaching of the science of mind. Right? So, so, wow. So... There is a kind of psychology either called transcendental psychology or spiritual psychology, which we as practitioners of the science of mind or new thought metaphysics understand is the, is the perennial philosophy and is the nature of reality and is also the nature of mind and how it works. So I know that gets a little deep, but, but basically I went into this workshop and found all of these overlapping belief systems mm -hmm. and what Dr. Stoffer who was a Edith Stoffer, who was my teacher. This was the same lady that was the teacher for Father Alexis, who was the masseur, right? Right. She became she became my teacher, and uh, and and she was a direct disciple of Roberta Associales, and in fact had gotten her psychology license just within the, a couple of years before I started studying with her. <laughs> so I had become a doctor in psychology. Right, wow. so this is all interesting when I get in there, and and essentially here's here's what the teaching says, and it matches. And I've been teaching this both inside the Centers for Spiritual Living and the New Thought Movement as a whole now for more than twenty years, right? Uh, seminars literally all over the world, and uh, uh, that the system that we teach uh, is very simple. The the system is 
that at the level of your soul, which we call your Christ self or your true self or your soul nature, that you are a love machine, that you are and I am and humanity is love machines. We're designed to function in love. And that means unconditional love. And so let's look, first of all, at a definition of unconditional love. Unconditional love is love given freely, without demands, without expectations, and without seeking anything in return. Sweet. Okay, so let me say that again. Unconditional love is love given freely, without demands, without expectations, and without seeking anything in return. Right? Right. So what that means is we're designed to just go around loving things. Right? Have you ever driven to Colorado or Arizona or Utah? I have not. Okay. Well, if you were to go through what we call the southwestern United States, you would see all kinds of incredible red rocks in all kinds of formations. In Arizona, for example, there's a place called the Monument Valley. These red rocks, you know, make shapes that you you think for sure some artist must have done this work. Right? Mm-hmm. They're just organic shapes. And you could drive through Utah, for example, the Bryce, Bryce Canyon, these extraordinary red rocks, or go into the southwestern slopes of the Rockies in Colorado. The whole mountains are red. Mm-hmm. Now, the question that I would ask myself is, well, do I love the red rocks in Arizona, or do I love the red rocks in Utah, or do I love the red rocks in Colorado, or do I love all of those red rocks the same? Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of rocks, uh, I tend to like red rocks, and I like purple rocks, and I like colorful rocks, and I like white rocks, and I, I kind of like think rocks are cool. Is that making sense? It's making sense. I, so, so I have then a love for rocks that has no demands and no expectations and doesn't seek anything in return. Can you see that? Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that interesting? The Aramaic language, which is the language that Jesus spoke, they have a word for that. It's called rachma love, right? It's not spelled like R-O-C-K. It's spelled R-R-A-H, uh, so R-A-H-M, something like rachma. It's an interesting spelling, right? But it sounds just like a rock, Right. So I always think in terms of the way human beings are naturally wired is to love everything like a rock, right? There was a great song by Paul Simon. You might be a little too young to remember it called Love Me Like a Rock. (laughs) (laughs) That's a compliment, and I'll take it. (laughs) Right? So, So in other words, so human beings then, from a spiritual point of view, are designed to be in rachma love. Mm-hmm. To have sort of this universal love for everything. Now, there is another kind of love that's spoken of in the Aramaic language, and that's called kuba love. In this case, K H O O B A, kuba love, and kuba love is is like personal love. So let so let's go. Let's look at you and me, Tracy. So mm-hmm. We'd say, okay, so Tracy is a New Thought person, and we met each other in New Thought circles. So we, we would say, okay, so. Tracy is a, is, a, is a human being, so she deserves my love anyway. But now Tracy is a new thought person, 
So that tells me that we have consciously things in common. So now Tracy is not just a rockman anymore. She's a little closer because we have this shared thing, right? Right. Now, now then, we see each other in in these different venues, and each time we see each other, we communicate at a deeper level, and it gets a little richer, yes? Yes. Right? Our relationship gets richer, what we're knowing and what we're seeing in each other. And, and also goes with that is I'm aware of some of the stuff you're doing, you're aware of some of the stuff I'm doing. So we get not only do we have love, but we're getting sort of this mutual admiration thing going, right? And that now is taking that rock love, and it's becoming more and more Cuba. Do you see what that word is? Got and it. The love is becoming more personal because I know it personally. Yes. Yes? Okay. Now, forgiveness then is if something happens as in my relationship with the rocks, as they get closer and closer to me in a Cuba kind of way, somebody doesn't meet my demand or expectation. I expected you to do something and you didn't do it. Or I thought you were going to and you didn't. Or I thought you loved me and you didn't call me back. Or whatever those expectations were. Can you see that? Right. Now, every time we get one of those demands or expectations that didn't get met, now this happens to everybody, doesn't matter who you are, Every time we get one of those expectations that didn't get less, we, we tend to do something really silly, which is basically to turn down our love. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Well, but you're designed to run at the level of unconditional love. So the moment you make a personal choice to withhold your love, you begin diminishing yourself. I love this. Yeah. It makes so much sense to describe what is actually happening in the process that we've labeled as um, someone doing something wrong, but and, really... And, and what, has, what has done is caused us to withhold love, which has now diminished us. Right. And the more we do that, it's basically like, well, I did that with this person, then I did it with this person, then, of course, I have the issues with my mother, then I have the issues with my dad, and then, of course, there's my grandfather and the bad uncle and the cousin and the this and, and oh, the fourth grader friend. Can you imagine how much we've stepped on our hose by withholding love because all of these people didn't do what we expected them to do? Yeah, I love this. And right. the more I withhold love, it really is diminishing me. It's not doing anything to the other person. That's correct. It's just it's wrecking your circuits. <laughs> so, you know, it's so people think that forgiveness is something I do for somebody else, but it's not at all true. Forgiveness is something you do for yourself. It may or may not benefit the other person. <laughs> exactly, and that's uh, that's one thing that consistently, you know. Is, is reinforced in every one of these sessions, and each time it's from a different angle. So I really, really love the way that you have framed it. It makes it very, very concrete and clear. Right. So, so then you can see then, if I get, if I become someone who's unforgiving, what, what essentially that means is I become somebody who's unloving. Right. Do you see that? I do. Whoa. So, so you know, to, to use the term unforgiving is the same as to say unloving. It's the same exact thing. <laughs> and unfortunately, that unloving is blocking your circuits, right? 
Mm-hmm. So then forgiveness, listen to this definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is to cancel the demands and expectations that are blocking my attitude of love. Okay, repeat that. Forgiveness is to cancel the demands and expectations that are blocking my attitude of love. So now you would never you would never usually tell somebody who you're withholding love from or you're being unforgiving with, you would never actually tell them that you're doing that, right? Correct. <laughs> well, maybe, but yeah, not typically. Yeah, but to no avail. If you need to forgive someone, it never does any good to tell that person that. Correct. All of that all that does, if you tell somebody you need to forgive them, all that does is spark up their ego. Mm-hmm. Who do you think you are that you need to forgive me? Do you follow? Right. It does no good. The forgiveness that you need to do with somebody actually doesn't involve that somebody. Because your attempt to do it live will never work. You walk up to somebody and tell them, don't worry, I forgave you, they're liable to punch you. <laughs> really? What does that mean, you forgave me? What? Huh? It doesn't, you see, the forgiveness is happening in you. It doesn't, it may, you may have a relationship with that other person that's not working, but the forgiveness has to happen in you because it does, that, that it's not, has nothing to do with them. It's in you. You're the one who withheld your love from them. And until you restore yourself to love with them, you're going to be stuck. Over and over and over and over again. Right. And isn't it interesting, we, we somehow think that if I did something to them or they did something, it would make me better. But it won't. You, it's only when you let go and return to love that you'll be okay. Right? So now the question becomes, well, how the hell do I do that? <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, but we, so we have to remember then what it is that we're dealing with. Right, forgiveness is to cancel the demands and expectations that are blocking my attitude of love. So if it's blocking my attitude of love, it must be taking place within me, isn't it? I'm following with you. I'm tracking with you, and I'm loving every minute. Okay, good. So now. Well then, then if I if you have a problem, Tracy, and, you, and I know you and I are people of faith, and we would wish that upon anybody. But if you had a problem in your life, where, where's the first thing you would do with it? Oh, you're asking me a real question. <laughs> a challenge in your life. What's the first thing you would do? The first thing that I would do would be to uh, breathe deeply and go into prayer or look inside. Go into prayer, meaning invite the higher power into your life, yes? Exactly. Oh, I would invite this higher power, which is the truth about me, into my life, right? Yes. Well, here's, here's the interesting thing. In, in my very favorite part of our teaching, my very favorite part, and a lot of people can't name their favorite part, but I can name my favorite part. Want to know my favorite part? I do. My favorite part is our teaching, New Thought teaching, the Science of Mind teaching is all part of New Thought. The Science of Mind teaching says, at the very center of my being is the Alpha and Omega, the whole reason d'etre, the reason d'etre, the reason for being of all creation is at the center of me. 
me. Just like that that philosophy then says, our philosophy then says, Tracy, the absolute miracle of all of life, the glory of all of life, the whole cosmic reason for everything is at the very center of your being. Is that not cool? Mm, I'm just taking it in and loving it and how it feels as that washes over me, through me. I know. I think it's the uh, biggest idea that's ever hit the human condition. Uh, Jesus thought so, too. So did Buddha. But I think it's just an incredible truth. I said, whoa. Now, from a personal point of view, and I've been a, a prayerful and mindful person for some 30 years, right, 40 years almost, from a personal point of view, I don't quite know how to release what the poet Browning called this in prison splendor, right? Right. But there is a power within me that knows how, right? Absolutely. At the level of my personal self, I don't really know how, and I certainly can't get words around it. But at the level of my soul self, or at the level of my intuitive self, I know that this is the truth about me, and I know that that part of me knows how to guide me into it and reveal it to me. Is that making sense? It's making perfect sense. Okay, so so the way then that we would take the biggest idea that ever hit humanity and actually live with it in the world would be to daily commune with this presence and this truth about you and invite it to guide you and reveal it to you, right? Right. Now, personally, that's the way I live my life, and I recommend it. <laughs> okay? Okay? Now, now... Now I have this other dilemma, which is somewhere along the line in my journey as a soul, I began to withhold love. Hmm. Probably started around, you know, first grade or something. If you share your gummy bears with me, I'll be your best friend. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that means if you don't share your gummy bears with me, I won't be. Mm-hmm. You see how we started withholding love way back when? Right? Yeah, and for many of us even way before that. Right, and we started withholding love in order to get what we want, right? Exactly. But you're designed to be a full-circuit love machine, and you keep turning down the love, and you think you'll have the power to create what you want. Does that make any sense? It's very sobering, Harry. I mean, like, really. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine people listening in going, oh, my goodness. Really? So we started learning, only because we didn't know better, so we certainly can't get into blaming ourselves for it. But we started learning how to operate the cosmic system backwards when we were very young. And that's what was modeled for most of us by the adults around us. Correct. Righteous indignation is the right way to go, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which just in terms of a cosmic blueprint, is antithetical to the way the whole plan works. <laughs> because the way that to get what you want is to get more energy. The way to get more energy is to have more love because love and energy are the same thing. <laughs> I'm loving this. 
right? So, oh, let's so that, now let's see if I got this right. So then, I'm I'm designed to be a love machine. I have gone around with demands and expectations that haven't been met, and every time someone doesn't meet my demands or expectations, I withhold love and thereby turn down the juice in the whole cosmic system, and now I expect it to work. Yeah, that sounds very human, human um, uh, the way that we behave as humans. <laughs> Very accurate description. <laughs> but you can see, you know, by the way, we've, we've sort of laid this out here, but if it's designed to work with more love and the only way to, the only way to get more energy is to get more love, then the thing that absolutely has to stop right away is this withholding of love. <laughs> is that correct? So, yeah, intellectually, I am right there with you. Okay, so now then the question becomes, well, then who do I need to forgive? Because whoever it is you need to forgive, that's where you've been withholding love. And you know how many people don't want to really admit that. Absolutely, yes, I, I do. And, you know, in these workshops that I've dealt with, and, you know, the problem is, that if you take, uh, let's just use the the, carp uh, the dirt under the carpet metaphor, right? If you just keep taking the dirt and stuffing it under the carpet, eventually you're going to get a lump in that carpet. Isn't that true? That is true. And when you lift the carpet up, there's going to be a mess under there. Isn't that true? That's true. The dirt's still there. Yeah. And when you take resentments, and guilts and angers and withhold and stuff them inside. Very often they turn into cancers, which are lumps, right? Right. When you expose them, you discover how awful messy they really are. Correct. Right? So there's a metaphor there uh, about life and how it's supposed to be lived. You're not supposed to stuff dirt under the carpet. <laughs> right? Yes. So that means our personal dirt, the the stuff that we uh, that we know is antithetical to principle. If we keep stuffing it under the carpet and pretend that it's not there or that we don't notice it, then what will happen is it will turn in to either disease or dysfunction in your life. For sure. And I'm not trying to be mean nor am I trying to be scary or anything else. I'm just pointing out the natural law of life. Yeah, and it's, and I can't imagine that there's anyone who can't think of examples in their own life that that is a perfect description of what's happened. Yeah, and, and so what we have to do, the way to unravel this knot that we unwittingly made, you know, because, you know, let's face it, you know, there there. I started to tell you in the in the forgiveness workshops that I've done, most people by the time they actually get to a forgiveness workshop and are willing to do something about it, they've been holding on to this stuff for twenty years or longer. 
uh, and this is my personal survey. I've been teaching this for 25 years, and I, I know for sure mm-hmm. that people will hold on to stuff for the longest time. And and it starts, you know, uh, obviously the primary relationships are, are where it begins. It begins with mom and dad, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and if we get stuck there, then we just start layering and layering and layering. Do you follow? Right. And so we really have to go back, and so... Uh, our friend Noel McGinnis, who I who I adore out there in the Portland area, mm-hmm. he 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 added something great to my own teaching and attending one of my workshops, and I now use it in the workshop. And he says, you know, how do you know if if someone if you have forgiveness work to do? And the answer is, do they does that person have safe passage through your consciousness? Mm, nice phrasing. Isn't that nice? Yeah. So and no, and I do it literally like uh, 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 like see somebody in your mind's eye walking from the left of the room to the right of the room, right? So in your mind, uh, uh, let me ask you: Do you have forgiveness work to do with Oprah Winfrey, or does she have safe passage in your consciousness? Mm-hmm. She has safe passage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So. Um, Let's see. Do you have forgiveness work with uh, uh, President Obama? Safe passage. She got safe passage. He got safe passage, right? How about Mrs. Obama? How's she doing? Safe passage. Okay. How about the leadership at the Centers for Spiritual Living? You did not ask me that on a recorded call. (laughs) I didn't use any names. No. Actually, what immediately came up was, Mostly safe passage, and so immediately that made me begin to think of where, who are the people, or what are the situations that's where that, I was going, right? So mm-hmm. you feel that where the, where all of a sudden I could feel it on the phone, right? I could feel, oops, it may be that there, it may be that there's a group of them you got safe passage, but everybody didn't get through. <laughs> exactly, and and what I love about that example is that, as you said, it allows you to see where specifically the forgiveness work is. Yeah. So now go back. Now, how's mom doing? Oh, that that's that's fine. I, you know, what's funny is as you're asking, and, you know, you're asking really at random mostly, um, huh? what every time there was safe passage, I thought, but that wouldn't apply to X or that wouldn't oh, apply to Y. So that's. So, so, and, you know, our friend Edwin Gaines has been teaching out there forever in New Thought, right? Edwin Gaines has a great, she, she has a great forgiveness test to, to see whether or not you have forgiveness work. Uh-huh. You, you, have you heard about her forgiveness test? Mm-hmm. But I love it, so share it, please. If, if, if you, you want to know if you have forgiveness work to do, check and see if you're breathing. <laughs> right. If you're breathing, you have forgiveness work to do. Yeah, I love it when every time I hear her say that, because, and, and I am known for saying if you're, you know, if, if you are breathing and above ground, if you, you know, we all, every day, have Listen, forgiveness work to do. Forgiveness, I mean, I, I don't want to give everybody Bible lessons, but if you <laughs> if you were to look at the life of Jesus, and you were to look not only at Easter, but the the days after Easter, probably one of the most important stories of all of Jesus' life is when he appeared in the upper room several days after he had passed, when all of the disciples, obviously except for Judas, were all in the room. And you remember it was the doubting Thomas 
Remember yeah, that yeah. story. He walked through the wall. He started to talk to them, and he, this is the only words he said. This I say unto you. This is, this is what he had said to them while he was living, over and over again. He came back to tell his disciples this specific thing. This I say unto you. As you forgive others, so shall ye be forgiven. Forgiven. Right? I mean, he announced it at the moment of transformation because that was the moment when Thomas said, I don't believe it's you. And Jesus said, well, put your hands in my womb. And it says at that moment, the, the, they became the disciples. Right? It was like, whoa. There was a transformative moment that happened the moment that Thomas believed and what was the message that Jesus was coming back with? You've got to forgive because at the level that you forgive. So now let's use our definition. Forgiveness is to return to love, yes? Yes. So to return to unconditional love. Yes. So the only way that you can be in the sea of unconditional love is if you're willing to be unconditional love. Exactly. It, it, right. It can't happen unless you are being it correct right so so jesus came to say remember he did say and i you know from new thought perspective we love the teacher jesus right (laughs) what he said right and he said the kingdom of heaven he says behold the kingdom of heaven is at hand well let me ask you this tracy you're you're a, a, a someone deeply devoted in the spiritual life if if you were able to walk around in unconditional love all the time, isn't that the kingdom of heaven? That is the kingdom of heaven. Then it is at hand, and the only way to get there is through forgiveness. Isn't that so? Well, yes, yes, and the only way to get there is by being in love, by being love, which exactly. means... Exactly. So there you see, right. we're, we're always left to wherever it is we have that withhold, Right. And and now, it, you know, withhold doesn't mean that I agree with you all the time. It just means that I love you. <laughs> you follow? I follow you, and I and I am thinking about how twenty years ago that would not have made any sense to me. But now, as you say it, it's like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yes, I mean, we we can see it. You know, as parents, we can see it. You know, hopefully, if you're a parent, you can see it. I mean, my children are uh, uh, in their late 20s and young 30s, and they're educated and they have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you know you're not going to always agree. You're not going to always agree, but, but that has nothing to do with how much I love them, and that is just not even on the table. <laughs> right. Like you follow? And so if I get upset with my children, I'm the one who has to unblock that, not them. Do you see that? I do see that. It's my love that's blocked. They're fine. <laughs> People don't get that. I think it's so funny. They really think that forgiveness is about something somebody else has to do. Right. Or that you're doing it to make that other person whole or okay, but they are okay as they are. That's right. Or they've got their own issues, whatever they are. That has nothing to do with you. Right. Right. I mean, depending on where you've got yourself looped in there. So anyway, so we get back to the we get back to the process, and 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 so what we have to do then is we have to invite this high self, this 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 part of us that has access to everything, 
and therefore is in tune with everything and therefore knows. You know, that's why you have a soul to guide you home, right? Mm-hmm. It's like your soul was always home, and you went on an adventure, and you're, you're trying to get back, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, the the wonderful news is, and this is really what the heart and soul of Jesus' message is, is, you know, you don't have to go back to get home. Right. <laughs> Which is, that's what we're really trying to do in the human condition, is to become the human divine, right? Not just be human, but to be what it is to be human, which is to be divine, and to actually be in the experience of being the human divine. Now, we are already doing that, but are you enjoying it? Are you conscious of it? Do you realize it? Right. Right. And that that being conscious of it and realizing that that's what's, hap- what's happening is, um, well, for me, it's like that's the adventure of, of life, although I've heard many people say that's the hard part. And to me, it's like it's not the hard part. It is just the it is the process of being and becoming and constantly being aware that I can be in alignment, but I have to be conscious and intentional. Oh boy! And 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 again, and I love that that uh, that our new generation of new thought people is 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 rising up in terms of this awareness. It's conscious. Conscious, you know, the great philosopher Ernest Holmes said, "The spirit of God is found. The spirit of God might be everywhere, but it's found in your conscious mind." Right. Right. And so this this conscious awakening to what I'm doing with my love is very important. So in the in the process that I teach, what we do is we the difference between, in my view, uh, effective uh, forgiveness programs and unaffected forgiveness programs, is that you've got to move, you know, we're mental, spiritual, and physical beings. And very much a lot of the forgiveness work that's in the field is very psychological, meaning very mental. It addresses things at the mental level and forgets to go all the way up to the spiritual level because until you bring it up to the spiritual level, it doesn't go all the way through. Right? It doesn't. Mm -hmm. So, so we, we, I did a forgiveness exercise, but I'm still mad. Well, if you did a forgiveness exercise and you're still mad, that means the forgiveness exercise didn't work. Say amen. <laughs> yes. It just didn't work because what, what it should happen when forgiveness is complete is that person will have safe passage through your consciousness. Mm-hmm. Now, Again, let me go back to, you know, uh, 101 kind of stuff. No soul is going to be happy until they have until they get to the place where they have where their parents, their mortal parents have safe passage, no matter what the circumstances were. I love that. It's, it's, I, I I love that, and I really hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but when you said those words, I immediately went back to when was the point in my life where, where using that phrase, safe passage, both of my parents had safe passage in my mind. And I can remember, I can remember maybe not the exact day or year, but I can remember what was going on in my life when that happened with each of them. And I agree with you that that was a period in my life. From that point on, 
my life has had a different level of grounding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's it's in the Old Testament. It's a biblical. It's actually called on. You know, thou shalt respect thy mother and father. But it, we you know, we took that word that we thought it meant like you know, appreciate everything they did or didn't do. But or, that, that's not what it is. It's right. it's it's do do you have uh, rock my love, at least rock my love for your mortal parents. Because it doesn't matter how bad or how good they were, they were a necessary part of your having this experience. Exactly. And and you know a little about me, but you would have no way of knowing how great that is as an example for me to use, because actually I don't have a, an, a physical interaction relationship with my um, biological mother and haven't for almost 40 years, for probably about 35 years. But if there's no, but she has safe passage, to use the phrase we've been using. She has safe passage in my mind and in my heart, even though a decision had to be made that she could not be an active part of my living and of my life. Good. Well, and again, the key is, Mm -hmm. is, in terms of, of you as a love machine, right? If, if you if they don't have clear passage, then at a fundamental level, your circuitry is blocked. Right, and that's why it's such a good example. It's like, oh, I get that, and that's why that's it's clean. Right. There's no hate. There's no anger. There's no resentment. There's none of that. Right. Well, my my uh, I I was came from a divorced family and was blessed to get a a, a really wonderful uh, stepdad who became my legal dad. And, and kept my relationship with my natural dad. So I ended up having being blessed with three parents. And obviously, if that was the scenario, there had to have been some rough spots along the way, <laughs> right? Or you wouldn't have that odd combination, right? Right. And, um, uh, and yet, they're all no longer here, and all of them uh, not only know that I love them, but receive my love uh, on a regular basis. Right? It, it flows through me. And uh, because I can't, I just love them. I can't help loving them, you know. So, and I got myself there through this work. That you, sure there were a lot of demands and expectations that were not met, you know. When you have a father who has four boys and then moves three thousand miles away, uh, that's not exactly a childhood expectation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? So you have to work through that to to receive the gifts and to make sure you're in love. And then, of course, because of this work, we ended up with a very conscious relationship where the last words I said to each of my parents and they said to me was, I love you. We're, we're, we're all clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, as I say, that's a starting point. You know, So anybody listening say, if you've got stuff going on with your parents, then you know you need to find some kind of forgiveness work that will actually work. Right? Right. So... So in in this process, what we do is we name out, we we begin to say, so if you had a demand and expectation that wasn't met, what was it, right? So as a facilitator, what I do is I say, who is the person you need to forgive? We get clear about who that is. And then I say, well, what do you need to forgive them for? And we get this long list of whatever it is that all this outrage is about. And then I go to the next step. Okay, well, now that we know what you need to forgive them for, let me ask you this question. What would you have preferred? Mm-hmm. You see? 
right away now, as soon as I start asking that question, I'm not hanging out in funky emotions. I'm using my mind to get things clear. Right. Right? And then when we start going, well, I would have preferred you were affectionate to me. I would have preferred you told me I loved me. I would have preferred you showed up at the school play. I would have preferred, you know, whatever those lists are, right? And then you say, well, that didn't happen. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go get each one of these things, each one of these preferences. So let's say I really would have preferred my dad had showed up at the second grade school play where I was the star. Yeah. Okay. How long ago were you in second grade? <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll use me. More than 40 years ago I was in second grade. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is there any way to go get your dad to show up at that play now? Well, no. My dad's dead and I'm not in second grade anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's reasonable that we cancel that expectation then? Mm-hmm. Then I have you do that. I say, I, then, then repeat after me. I cancel, Dad, I cancel the expectation that you show up at my first grade school play. I cancel the expectation that you even knew I was in a first grade school play. Right? Mm-hmm. And we get all of that stuff out of the way, and whatever the else is on that list, I would have preferred you never made me to eat that salad. I would prefer whatever the stuff was from early childhood all the way up he left or even if there's stuff after he left. And you get all of those preferences out and you cancel them all. Now, your high self doesn't know exactly, you don't know what to do once you've done this, right? right. So what we then do is we invite the energy of your high self, uh, and I use very often the symbol of a ball, like a ball of pure white light right above your head, right? Mm. And allow this pure white light to flow through your body and wash everything that you just released all the way out, restoring, renewing, revitalizing the whole system. You know, it's sort of a symbolic thing, but people sort of sit there and they feel that, they go through that process. And then I say, and when you're ready, from that high self, in touch with that high self, I want you to send your love out to your dad. And I say, do just like when you feel, when you're ready, I wait, let this energy, this white light heal you, let it restore you, let, let yourself come in, what we call, in, into a centered space and realize who and what you are, all right? Now, with the presence with you, when you're ready, I want you to send your love out to your dad. The person will say, okay, dad, I now send my love out to you. Just as you are now, just as you are now, and just as you have always been just as you've always been, and I release you to your highest good. Then I ask this question, do you want anything for your dad other than his highest good? The person says, no, I, I really want that. And then we go back to that question. Well, does your dad now have safe passage? That you just I see it. I see it in their eyes. I see bodies transform right in front of my face. They, oh my God. They not only say not only that, but everything looks different. The room looks different. Everything looks different. But yeah. Because you just did something essential to your soul. You return to love. And that's what forgiveness is. What a beautiful process. I think so. Sure has made a difference in my life. 
<laughs> what a beautiful and powerful process, and and uh, and to ima- I imagine it being facilitated, you know, in a way where surely, you know, there's a certain amount that you can do for yourself, but um, having it facilitated by, you know, someone who is really spiritually grounded and doesn't have the story yeah, that's right. allows you to really be in it. That's right. It also gives you the advantage of a witness, and that also has its own power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, the point is we can start by ourselves, and this is what I tell anybody on the subject of forgiveness. I don't care what lecture you went to. I don't care whose lecture it was. I don't care what the subject, uh, how deep they were, how right or wrong they were. There is nothing around the subject of forgiveness that, that will harm you in any way, shape, or form. To play with forgiveness is a safe thing to do. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so our time is really close. But before we close out, I just want to remind people that they can go to focus2015.info and get information if they want to listen to the replay of this or any of the other four sessions from today focused on forgiveness, or if they just want more information about things that we're doing at Reclaim Joy. Um, and I encourage I encourage everyone to check that out or check out Reclaim Joy. But I also want to encourage people to learn more about Dr. Harry Morgan Moses and the brilliance that you bring to the world. So what are the best ways for people to be in touch with you and find out about all the great things you're doing? As, as you remember when I was running for an office, I kept inviting people, just go to the Google and Google Harry Morgan Moses. <laughs> You'll find the parts that you're interested in and where you want to go and what you want to do. Because um, I got a lot of websites. I got a lot of material. There's a ton of free stuff up on the web, on YouTube, and everywhere. So if you just Google Harry Morgan Moses and surf around to what interests you, you'll find it. But you need to put my middle name in yeah, because there's yeah. another guy named Harry Moses who was a producer for 60 Minutes. And no matter <laughs> what I try to tell the Internet, it keeps wanting to mesh us together. <laughs> <laughs> to unmesh it is to make sure you put my middle name in there. <laughs> well, Harry Morgan Moses. And we'll put a couple of links on the focus2015.info page as well for people who want to track you down. But I agree, if you Google Harry Morgan Moses, you are going to have more links than you can even imagine. And one of the things I really admire about you, Dr. Harry, is the way that you have so consistently over such a long period of time constantly put free information out for people, lots of interviews, lots of guidance, and you truly are a blessing to the world. Uh, thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, thank you. Well, it was fun to be with you, Tracy. I love hanging out with uh, with like-minded souls, baby. <laughs> well, thanks so much, everybody. Uh, just remember that uh, no matter what situation you're in, you can find joy within. And if you ever doubt that, go to ReclaimJoy.com and let me remind you. Take care. Have a great evening. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. 
Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 